back, Kofkin Bond listeners. We're here with episode 114 today, Tony, um, and we're going to follow on from an email you sent out this morning, uh, just before lunchtime, actually. You're talking sort of confidence versus ego. Now, this can be a fun subject for a lot of people. Yeah, it can be a very fun line as well, but, you know, it's, it was interesting that Willard sent out a email to us I think last week, where if you've done more than 100 podcasts, I think you're in the, like the top 2%, 1% globally of podcast people. So there you go, Jamie. It's, it's, uh, we're, <laughs> in the top one, we're in the top we're in the top 1%. So is that egotistical? I don't know. You know, our six listeners might think so. Um, well, we're just confident in what we're doing. Seven listeners. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> but look... You did, um, you sort of talked about your own experiences in this and, and your own thought patterns. And I guess the disclaimer, as you said before, you're not a psychologist, either am I. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I, we weren't recording when I said that, yeah. so no, I'm not a psychologist. But it, it sort of finishes with a quote, but do you want to start on the quote that you've read today? Yeah, that you, the Wayne Dyer in, one? Yeah, that you put into the email, um, and then we can sort of have our own conversation around it. Those of you who actually don't know Dr. Wayne Dyer is, he's... Um, He's not a motivational speaker whatsoever. He is a person who gets you to think in, a, in, a, in that positive mindset, but not fake positive uh, in respect to actually being able to change your entire mindset. Multitude of books, um, thousands of videos of him talking on YouTube, more around the sort of 80s, 90s um, era. So before the Tony Robbins really kicked off and things like that as well. But he, he was all about changing mindset and his his work is actually quite good so this quote is everything you do is based on the choices you make it's not your parents your past relationships your job the economy the weather and arguments or your age that is to blame you and only you are responsible for every decision and choice you make period fairly fairly strong yeah uh, fairly strong quote and something that I know with the, certainly the major changes I've made in the last dozen years in my life that I know to be totally true. And we're discussing just before even, you know, if you've ever laid in bed at night and had that uh, conversation in your head that's kept you up all night with the conversation with the person you're going to have tomorrow if you've gone to bed a bit grumpy and you're fighting through this conversation in your head and then you can't sleep and then you wake up really grumpy again because you have, actually haven't slept. Now, all of that is your choice to let that go on in your mind. Yeah. Or you could just turn around and say, time to sleep. I, yeah. think, I, I think I replay that one plenty of times, and that's why you know not to message me saying we need to talk tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do that just because I want to, just because just, I know you'll be panicking just, all night. <laughs> just because you want me to burn. Yeah. But you've outlined some of your experiences here, um, and I guess, do you want to go through sort of that timeline that you've, you've written down here, and especially when you're a kid and around your sports? Yeah, well, so for me, I grew up in a good household, um, and but I certainly lacked for a whole whole host of reasons. Uh, Might have been feeling like I lacked love, um, I didn't deserve to be loved, uh, or um, and I certainly lacked uh, self esteem. I wouldn't say self confidence, uh, but uh, so I'd go and talk to anyone, uh, and I still do. But I certainly lacked self-esteem, didn't necessarily believe in myself whatsoever. And it realistically um, wasn't until I was in grade four where uh, my, on dad's side of the family, they come from an athletics background. So dad, of course, always tried to get me into athletics, which 
I was okay at it, but I didn't like getting up too early in the morning. So for some stupid reason, I started swimming. <laughs> so, but when I decided that I wanted to stop little athletics, uh, Dad said to me, "Well, you're going to do a sport, so choose another sport. Yeah. Uh, if you're not going to do athletics, you're still getting up and you're still going to do a sport." And we were walking past uh, Harold Watson's uh, swim school, learned a swim school, and my parents, neither of my parents were swimmers or could swim. My mum can't swim at all. And uh, so I said, well, I want to swim. Now, I was a kid who went to swimming lessons, who after about four tries, my dad said, that's it, he's out, because I'd just sit in the edge of the pool and scream, and just had no intention of getting that water or learning to swim. I was one of those horrible screaming kids. So when I went there and I learned to swim, and I was in grade four, and I still remember it vividly, and Mr. Watson was a great motivator, sometimes by fear, a bit of a David Parkin um, approaching, those of you who know football. Um, and the, the greatest, greatest swim coach I've ever had in my life. But the thing about Mr. Watson is he turned around, he said, and he put me against the four fastest kids. Uh, and he said, I just bet your old man that you can win this. And bet the four fastest kids in my class. I still remember those, Mark Croak, Chris Fish, Sean Purcell and Andrew Meek. And he said, I've just bet your old man that you can beat them in this 25 freestyle race. And uh, he just said, I bet your dad $10. And your dad said that if you lose, you're paying the 10 bucks. And the dad never said anything. The dad used to do the carpooling. And it was a case of, well, I didn't want to lose 10 bucks. I got the water and I actually won that race. It was the first time I ever won. Uh, whereas I was always that kid who just did because you had to go yeah. swimming. So that was a case of instilling, installing confidence in me that I could actually do something that he believed I could actually do. But as it went on, and I suffered massive self-esteem issues at school, I had a couple of teachers that were really crap, had some really good and encouraging teachers as well, school teachers. Uh, but those ones that are crap are the ones that we always revert to, we always revert to the negative. Whenever you're feeling ashamed or low self-esteem or hurt, you always revert straight to that negative. And I had a couple of teachers, one who's in grade four, Mr. Hutchinson, and he told my mum that he thought I was retarded. Uh, and you don't say that to an Irish mum. <laughs> so it's, uh, mum did stick up for me. Uh, <laughs> she would always give me a smack across the yes, head too if I needed it. But at the same time, it was, you're telling that to a young kid who's in grade four, and you feel pretty worthless. You know, so, and what, what encouragement that is to turn up and listen to him for six hours a day or whatever you're at school with. So I had absolutely no interest in there and I sort of went down. But my sport was where I was good at. It didn't matter whether we're playing cricket or football in primary school, secondary school, cricket or football, swimming or athletics. Um, I was just always there doing it all. And that's what I started to look forward to in school. But that went from really helping me with my self-esteem regarding sport but I was hiding my lack of self-esteem regarding me as a person in my life. And what that did, though, is when you start to excel at something at a young age and people start to tell you you're good, and especially if you're lacking massive amounts of self-esteem personally, uh, you start to believe that and you can become very egotistical. And that's what happened to me, uh, to the point where I was doing sport to be told that I was good and good at something rather than doing it for the actual real, real enjoyment of it. And I probably could have even gone further in sport in my life you now if I was doing it for the right, right reasons rather than doing it to be told, aren't you good? 
So or do you something. think you're at the point that the confidence turned into being ego? Around yeah, it? absolutely. Um, the, you know, I remember Mrs. Grant, Year 7 maths teacher, uh, so for those of my school friends who have seen that, it wasn't Brother Carey in Year 7. Can't go brother, going for every school teacher. Bro- no, brother, brother, <laughs> brother Carey was pretty good. He was pretty wicked with the strap if you didn't do your homework. Um, but uh, Mrs. Grant, she just basically uh, told me there's only one reason I got into the school, and that was because I was good at sport. And, you know, all those secondary school photos in every sporting team. That, once again, didn't really help me or encourage me to actually want to do maths. Your A teacher, Noel Bell, unbelievably wonderful and encouraging you to do. Once again, either a strap, if you're out of line, it was a different era back then. But what it is, is yeah, if you have the two different, uh, the two different size there, someone telling you you're crap, that's not going to motivate you to be good. The other person saying, listen, you've got to put in some hard work, but you can do this. There's an old saying, or there's a, there's a quote in the movie The Blind Side with Sandra Bullock, um, where the um, Kathy Bates, who's the tutor, uh, what was the footballer's name? You'll know his name. I can't remember. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, so it's, um, he turned around and he goes, I can't do this. And she said, no, it's not that you can't do this. You just can't do it yet. And that's that, you know, the incremental one step at a time, those one percenters that you talk in football and things like that. So there was a thing where it became egotistical because as much as I was lacking self-esteem, every time, all of a sudden, you're becoming friends with new groups of people because you've got a sport. Um, but you could, I could hide that self, those self-esteem issues because I could take a decent mark playing football, kick the ball at a decent level or, or you know, swim and never get beaten, um, or very rarely anyway. So the, the basis of it is is that self-esteem became ego because I had so many people telling me I was good, I could hide all of my insecurities there. And as a result, um, you just didn't have that balance or harmony in your life. Um, So that's where it really hit home for me. So I was really good at what I call wearing masks, uh, where I would have this mask of self-confidence, which ended up becoming ego, um, where ended up that inside, I was going through turmoil, all my personal life, I was going through turmoil. Um, so really good, and we can all be good at hiding things, uh, but then too, that when it exploded, it exploded like a good Irish volcano. Yeah. So when you're looking at people, I guess, you know, the, the, the area that you're explaining would be for sports people, I think would be, you know, in all of them, really. Um, and we, we sort of always talk about the American athlete yeah. uh, and the confidence in themselves to be the best, they talk that they're the best, and that can be deemed as egotistical as well. So mm. where's that line, do you think, um, when looking at athletes like that, that have that confidence, we are the best, we're going to be the best, I am the best? Yeah, if, if the American athletes is actually a really good one, and there was, um, I think it was Shirley Strickland in the 1956 Olympics, um, where when, they, when the Americans came over, what she noticed was a real difference between the Americans and the Australians and more than the rest of the world. The Americans turned up to the Olympics with one goal, and that was to win the Olympic gold medal. There was nothing else that they were planning on or thinking of doing except winning that gold medal. There was, there was no second place for them whatsoever. And that can cause massive rifts and the overconfidence Massive egos and all the rest. So it was probably more in check back in you know the late 50s and what it is in the 2020s. 
But she said the difference is, is a lot of the Australians were just thrilled to have made the Australian team. They didn't actually, their goal was to make the Olympics. Their goal wasn't to actually win the gold medal. And that's where the, the part where you can get that overconfidence, where it's, you, you know, if, if, you're, if you make the Olympic final, you're in the top eight in the world in swimming, athletics and things like that. You're in the top eight in the world. What an amazing achievement before an, a, an American athlete was you either come first or you don't exist. And that's when ego can get in the way and it can be absolutely atrocious. You know, some of the behaviours where all of a sudden it's like, well, look at who I am so I can get away with anything I want. You know, so I can, you know, be out of line with the opposite sex. Um, I, I am, you know, have a look at how wonderful I am, how hot I am, how rich I am. Uh, everything's about I am, I am. And there's all of a sudden their sporting prowess gets to them, whereas you have other athletes who are really, and I quoted uh, George St. Pierre in there, who was one of the greatest uh, MMA, MMA fighters of all time, probably one of the quietest guys. If you think of Conor McGregor, and this guy has won as many, if not more, you know, titles and he doesn't fight anymore. One of the most handsome guys you could actually see, so he doesn't have the battered in face. Um, but he was just quiet and gracious. And that's, that's that difference where he's gone on to great things. Conor McGregor has a great bank account. Uh, but as we know, for a lot of these people, things can get to them. And you've seen the downfall of, of many athletes after they've left sport and the downfall of many business, you know, as well. So when we're looking at people, sometimes we can deem them to be ego. Uh, and that's our perception of them. But I think sometimes people can be in for a rude shot that they're actually just a confident person in what they're displaying. Yeah. Um, but it's, as I said, quite quiet. So, you know, do you think we're too quick to judge on people sometimes? Oh, we are in this world of social media, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, there's so many, so, so much ability to be able to make personal comments to someone without ever facing any consequences of being a smartass. And, but I think though that if you have a look at, you know, someone they say he's really confident, but he backs it up. Um, and if you have, say, for example, if you think of the great Hawthorne team during the 80s, you had someone like Dermot Brereton who would be strutting around the ground and, you know, really annoying the crap out of people. Magnificent player, unbelievable magnificent player, had an ego. Then you have full forward Jason Dunstall, just got on with it and kicked goals, got on with it and kicked goals. Uh, you never saw him having a struggle around Johnny Clayton or Lee Matthews and people like that. So you have different personalities there. Now, there's no doubting, and don't bear it on be the first to admit that he has, you know, he had a huge ego. Um, because, well, if you don't like me, get rid of me, but you won't, will you? Um, now, in saying that, though, his, his life afterwards has been pretty good. Um, you know, there's been no real crap um, about him. There's, there's been the odd things here and there, but if you then have a look at um, other people in sport, there's been major downfalls and in business. And you can see this when, I mean, one of the greatest companies Australia's ever known, which is just demoralised and about to, you know, implode what has been for the last couple of years, being AMP in our industry. And AMP was a company I really looked up to. And when they decide to um, demutualise and list on the ASX. Uh, they brought in a US cowboy uh, to run it, uh, George Trumbull. And it was a mitigated disaster and AMP has just 
failed miserably into this shell of a company that it was today, which was the greatest brands in this country has ever seen in an insurance company. Well, actually, in a company full stop, at one stage, it was the largest company in the world. Uh, sorry, in Australia. Um, that's a big one, wasn't yeah. it, the world? <laughs> but George Trumbull came in, raped and pillaged, did everything he could and walked away for $22 million uh, paycheck in the space of 12 months after he was terminated. And they've just gone from one bad to the other, to the other, to the other. So, And that was because they actually got somebody who was what I call, as you know, I don't, I won't invest in companies that have rock stars as leaders um, because if those rock stars fall off the perch, but it's all about them and there's usually no succession plan in it as well. Uh, so they don't realise that you can be the driver of the bus um, or actually best, probably one of the best analogies is a you know, Formula One race car team. If you don't have a magnificent team supporting you and building that car and and doing everything right, doesn't matter how great a driver you are, you're not going to win. Uh, so you're not going to turn up in a, you know, a hotted up VW to an F1 race uh, and expect to win. You know, so you actually have to have the great team around you. Now it might be that F1 driver uh, who gets the accolades, but at the same time, you have a look at some of them, especially some of the European ones. They've been unbelievably humble. You know, and even if you have a look at some great. Japanese leaders that, you know, of business that are absolutely humble yeah. in what they do. So if someone's, I guess, you talk about your past here, and I think it's a really hard answer, that question to answer, but if someone's lacking in confidence, um, and you said that you were lacking as a child, um, how do you build that I was lacking up? in self-esteem. Yeah. So I, I had no issues in going and speaking to people, and I had no... Uh, and I had no real fear of confronting issues, but my self-esteem was horrendously low as a person. But from a confidence level, yeah. um, how, how do we build that up? Well, then, there's an old adage of fake it till you make it, and I don't believe that in this case that works. Um, the The fact is that if you... The fake it till you make it just means you cut what, what I was doing, especially in my old business, was continually wearing masks. And, you know, inside you're being ripped to pieces, but on the outside you're actually coming across as cocky and confident. And, and you can come across as actually quite abusive to people uh, when you're like that. And I think that's where one of the major differences is. So if I turn, you know, you and I have uh, quite often disagreed in things in this business, but we've never abused each other. Um, so we've never walked out of here saying, that's it, I don't want him to be around anymore. So it doesn't mean we've always agreed on every issue, but we've always found a common ground. And sometimes the common ground is do nothing. Um, so if you're that leader where you are lacking self-esteem and the only way you can have hold self-esteem is to be a bully in some way, whether it's in the schoolyard, whether it's uh, in the uh, you know, business uh, or in the boardroom, the fact is, is that you're lacking massive self-esteem and the first thing you actually have to do to gain some confidence is not fake it to your maker, but actually understand areas where you are lacking and trying to do something to be able to build that up. A confident person does not have to be the loudest person in the room. Quite often, a confident person is, you know, George St. Pierre, um, biggest, small, handsome guy, um, quietest guy in the room, um, pretty confident in his ability of what he does, but he doesn't have to showboat it around and, and you know, and you know, to scare people and things like that or bully people into submission. And I think that's the thing is that you have to understand that these are qualities or flaws that I have 
and these are the reasons why and what do I have to do to help overcome those reasons why and sometimes that can be a whole range of, can, uh, of different things that can be done. I try not to be medication, <laughs> so I'm dead against people who take a tablet to try and increase their self-esteem or you know, I've got to get more energy about me, I'll have a Red Bull, uh, try and do it naturally uh, to start with. But I think the, the thing is, say, okay, where am I lacking? And sometimes that is the hardest thing to do. And sometimes the best people to actually do it is actually to sit down with true friends. I know you did this recently and say, listen, here's, not you personally, but it was you helped uh, just a good friendship group that all spoke openly to each other. And that's what, you know, it was, it was a great bloke's friendship group and saying, yeah, listen, not enjoying this route that I'm going down. What do I do? You know, how do I get help or et cetera? And you actually all encourage each other. And so sometimes having a great group of friends like you have, or in my case, I had to understand where this was coming from. So I actually did hypnotherapy. A lot of people might think that's, that's crap or that's great. You know, we're not talking about getting on stage and clucking like a chicken. Uh, we've actually interviewed uh, my hypnotherapist, Kate Thomas, before he's become a very good friend of the firm's and mine. And So that helped you with your self-reflection? Yeah, because it actually helped me understand. Uh, for me, it actually helped me understand. It didn't kill me whatsoever, but it helped me understand the, my insecurities and where those insecurities actually came from. It helped me understand uh, some parts of my childhood that I didn't know about. And I asked my mum about and she confirmed, yes, that, that was correct. So once I understood, it helped me forgive if there was, so, and when I say forgive, forgive myself. Um, you know, you, you can, sometimes you cause harm to people in your life without realising you've caused harm to them. And they're carrying that for decades afterwards and you can't even remember their name. Now, whether it was just being an idiot in the schoolyard or whatever. Um, but for me, it was that case of forgiving myself first and understanding where those traits have come from. So every time you are under that pressure or that stress or whatever, rather than reverting back to uh, those states of negativity all the time, is understanding where that negative thought comes from so that you can say, okay, I don't want that and moving on and rebuilding your mindset because you are who you are, but it's now rebuilding, rebuilding your mindset. So for me, hypnotherapy was a start. It's not the same for everyone. Um, obviously, I've spoken about it many times, been very open about it with my transcendental meditation journey as well. Uh, that's helped me also along where I can actually see things. It doesn't mean that I don't get sad it doesn't mean that things don't affect me, but my reactions to those things uh, are not as instantaneous as what they probably used to be. You know, whereas I'd go and confront something head on. So that's what I'm saying. I didn't necessarily lack confidence, but I lack self-esteem. And as a result, you're always in conflict. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a kid, I'd, I'd go and look for the biggest bully on the football field to go and target him because, well, he's, he's the person who create self, low self-esteem for other people, so I'll stand up and protect them, whatever the case was, and, and that's just rubbish. And, you know, it's, you can, it's not always a case of rooting for the underdog. Sometimes you do, uh, but sometimes the underdog is there for a reason as well because they won't change their mindset. So, so for me, it was a case of understanding where these traits that I had that I don't like were, where they've come from, speaking to people about them, uh, if forgiveness was required of myself or understanding of where other people were coming from and understanding it, that helped me move on. Where, and it was, and that from that perspective, once I understood, it was pretty much instantaneous. 
Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a great change for me. And then you know, also in respect to, you know, why do I want to do this, what we're doing for the business? You know, where we're growing. So where's that come from? Has that come from uh, my low self-esteem that I had as a kid? Of always wanting to try and prove to be good for someone else to tell me I'm good. Well, I don't need other people to tell me I'm good anymore. So it's uh, because I really don't care if somebody thinks I'm good or not. All I care about is doing the right thing for everyone that I come across and allow into my life. So, so big changes. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for being so open today. Uh, I think people will relate to your story as well, and, and it'd be interesting. To, I guess that self-reflection and, and looking back on yourself to see you know, where you stand and, and if there's things that you can work on in your own lives. Um, yeah, just going back to that quote, Jamie, wherever you are in your head, it's no one else's fault. You're there because you're allowing yourself to be there. So it's time to move on. Period. Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Gown Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.